0: You're listening to WGDR Plainfields and WGDH Hardwick. Community radio from Goddard College. I listen when I'm naked. This is a journey into sound. Brought to you in living color on WGDR. I'm Tony Epstein. It's the Magical Mystery Tour. Join us as we dive into the heart of things. Exploring new ideas and new ways of seeing and being in this wondrous, crazy world we share together.
1: Lying on your back in the grass.
0: You can't see a
1: thing except for the clear blue sky. A few cotton wool clouds.
0: Higher and higher in the great dome of the sky. Filling it with song. Higher and higher.
1: Filling it with song. Filling it with song.
0: They sound quite mad, don't they? It's happening. I can feel it. How would you explain it? (laughs) It's beautiful. God, it's God. I see God. How do you like that? Why, it's preposterous. Thank you very much. Information in the form of energy streams in in simultaneously through all of our sensory systems in the form of energy. All the dangers which you have feared are unnecessary productions of your own mind. Whether you morning, and Maya, welcome to the Magical Mystery Tour. Good morning. My guest this morning is Maya Tavares, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful to have you here.
1: Thank you. It's it's so good to be here. I, God, I'm like so digging on your intro. I'm like, yes, this is exactly where I want to be, right here, right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got to hear that with fresh ears, because I had a new listener somebody who's never heard that before
1: yeah yeah i was i was just sitting here being like oh this is lovely this is so true and this is everything and this is right where i want to be in this moment i think like your intro has like so many lovely seeds in it you know i feel like there's so much about like directing us back to the to the present moment to like what we create you know that was just like i was coming in you know like walking through the ramblings of my mind like i was driving i was driving here this morning and being like right like my thought patterns are so powerful and have the capacity to create what i'm experiencing and so like i have to just sit and align my thought patterns and that's how i move through this illusion of linear time present moment by present moment and you know i sit down here and then like here's your intro right and i'm like ah yes (laughs) what a closed feedback loop that is (laughs) you know of a space of like a half hour conversation with myself on the drive here to and here it is in radio form um so i think that would be a fun thing to talk about um i'm currently really engaged in the concept of what yes feels like in our bodies Um, And how we, in the embodied present, weave a trajectory forward through a place of of embodied presence and what that feels like and what yes and what no and what all of those wise guidance systems that are available to us when we can get quiet inside uh, present to us in the opportunity to move through the illusion of the world that way. So what does this yes
0: part of it? Yeah. Have to do with that and how does it influence or this this relationship?
1: Yeah. So the yes is how I ended up sitting here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the yes is how I ended up in Vermont. Uh-huh. Um and it's a you know, that that's a long story that maybe we'll have time to go into. Um but sure. Okay. Cool. We have we have a lot of time. Great. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the yes story because I think that that's if we're talking about like what's alive in the moment, like that's what's alive in the moment is um, is the yes story. So um, as you know, I um, six months ago or however long ago I was in Portland, Maine, um, and I'd been in Portland, Maine for quite some time, and um, I came to a place in that journey. Um, where all all illusions of structure or or self made reality from ego self were just dashed apart. Um, I was I was given the gift of absolute um, dissolution. Not disillusion, because, you know, like, but but dissolution of everything that I had tried to put together in, from my own mind, um, which was such a beautiful gift to say, Mm-mm, I have a better idea for you and to learn how to yield to that. Um, and so um, about a year ago, you know, I was really in it and I was really in that place of just like, okay everything is back into raw potential. So how do I move it? Um, and through circumstance and, and wandering through listening to a yes, I ended up in the same room at the same time as somebody who lives here in Plainfield, Vermont. Um, and was like, wow, I need, I need to know you. um, and we were both like, how do I know you? I don't know. I don't know. Like, and we, we figured out that we had, like, our paths had crossed in some really, like, pivotal, influential, lovely little, like, we were just kind of witnessing each other's important journeys um, at different points. But, um, but that night I was, like, walking and I was leaving and I was, like, talking aloud to the universe as has become habit for me and has become normalized <laughs> in my life. But I was like, Really? you know like really am i supposed to know this person like it really feels important and my car was there and right to the right to the left um to the left of my car was this door that had these it was a giant street art of of two mouths open both screaming yes and i just like laughed and took a picture and i'm so glad that i did Because a few days later, I went back, um, not intentionally, I was just, you know, on errands, Portland Small. And I was like, oh, I'm near the guest door, right? And I'm like, oh, go look at it in the light. And and I get there, and what I find is an art student sitting on a milk crate, smoking a cigarette in front of a totally blank gray door. And I went, what? (laughs) So loud that... um, that this poor student like dropped her cigarette and looked totally shocked. And I was like, no, 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 not you. The door behind you. Um, And it was gone. And the door was not painted over. It was like, there was like, it was dirty. Like it was obvious that this door had not been meddled with for quite some time. And I was like, wow, like that's a yes. And, um, And so the next, you know, number of months were just like, learning how to listen and that you know just like in your intro right like we the universe is responding to our thoughts and our waveform patterns that we are constantly interacting with and my body as a as a collection of sensory information is having that energetic conversation all the time so how am I listening in and how am I saying yes um, and Or how am I saying no? Or how am I just constantly interacting with this quantum field that is in every moment conversation with us? And so it became um, a journey of subtle conversation that ultimately landed me um, leaving Portland and ending up here in this room. Um, and from there, it's just been this, you know, as we strip away all of the, well, I couldn't possibly do that, or no, well, that's outside of my paradigm of understanding. Like, As those hard imagined walls of the ego start to fall away, it be- we have more permission to follow the yes as we start to dissolve these ideas of what is possible and come into that. Just like we were talking about a, f- a few days ago, actually, that, p- that place of like, I don't know, but I'm so curious to find out. And and therein lies that um, pulse of infinite possibility.
0: <laughs> Saying yes to infinite possibility, being really, really, really open. Yeah. But along the way, encountering all the structures that we have somehow either created or adopted that block the view of that infinite
1: possibility. Yeah. Yeah. We were, I mean, I feel like people are going to have to like go listen to the show we did a couple of days ago. Cause I keep referencing it, but that idea that like our freedom lies in unknowing, Everything that we think we know, this is what's possible for me. This is what's not possible for me. Oh, you know, I, I, I grew up in poverty. I grew up, um, I'm trans. You know, like these are, these are all of these things that are, are perceived limitation in my world. The, the world will meet me in this way. Well, that doesn't have to be true. I can let go of all of the stories that keep me in this place and come into a place of more freedom. These are all such relevant issues. I mean,
0: these are the things that we all deal with, and these are the things I've been thinking about in relation to this book that I've been reading for an interview with this person who deals with all of these things as well. Mm. And he writes about them, and he's very scientifically minded, and yet he's also very heart-connected, which is a very rare thing to find in this world. Someone who's like a master in both realms and can balance them and integrate them. Yes. And that I feel is the job that we have in our lives is because our our experience is to is subjective, but it's also a very scientific process because we're directly engaged with our own experience of reality.
1: Mm. And
0: mm. so we're constantly engaged in this experimental discovery process with the world around us. And that occurs through, as you were saying, through this constant conversation that we have with everything we encounter outwardly and inwardly, because we have these structures that exist inside of us that are not really us. They're things we've either created or we've adopted and some of this guy's dan Siegel's earlier work is around because he 's a psychiatrist and he's a professor of psychiatry is around trauma and understanding um, the way our minds and our bodies dissociate. No, oh,
1: I really have to read that book
0: <laughs> there's a whole bunch of them but mm-hmm. yeah mm. um and he he talks about you know he he has these ways of categorizing different types of dissociation, attachment, um, patterns in our lives. Like some people, of which I don't know very many, have grown up in families that were very stable, you know, very supportive, mother and father. Mm. I'm not sure I know anybody Mm. who grew Mm. up in those conditions. I know I've encountered some.
1: Yeah.
0: most people are have way less than that, and some have dramatically less than that. Mm-hmm. And so, all of us have been traumatized in various different ways. Some have experienced major traumas, and some have experienced what might be considered mi- minor traumas. But all traumas create dissociation in us mm-hmm. and, and cause us to create kind of structures, belief patterns. And ways of responding to the world that are not free. They're not, Mm. they have nothing to do with what we encounter in each moment. And they separate us from being in direct relationship with what's happening and what is. And this work that he does is all about integration integrating because into because inter, we have to we have to learn to be open to integration because integration happens when we're available integration is like relationship right integration means things coming together mm-hmm. separate things separate pieces separate identities coming together recognizing or realizing that they're not separate, really. Uh-huh. There may be the perception of separateness, like you, you are a separate individual, but at the same time we're also part of this world that's, that's one world, and we're in relationship, we're, we have our own inner experience, but we have this inter experience as well it's like there's this this we nature aspect the nature of everything uh,
1: as you're talking all these like neurons are just like lighting up in my brain being like yes 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 yes, yes, i'm like making all of these i i'm like experiencing this like three levels of of interrelationship as you're talking you know in this idea of like celestial cosmic body of of all of us as one breathing body and integrating and coming together and saying we are i am mm-hmm. and that and that level of integrative healing of saying this is one heartbeat and then the the microcosm work of of doing that within each of our bodies of saying how can i how can i pull these pieces together to come to understand you know what is what is the resonant harmonious chord of each thing I have experienced. And, and where is the truth in that? And that the truth is always benevolent. The truth is always about like, where is, where is the good? Where is the love? Where do I come home to the center of myself, which is true? And how do I find that in each piece? I've, I've been walking this like, integration journey recently. And I love that you're just like handing this piece. Um, I had a dream um, a few nights ago where I was standing at the edge of an ocean and it was very shallow. And then I started to swim into the deep water and there was a woman there who I know and she's um, she does wonderful work in Portland, Maine. She um she runs a program called C-change, Sea Change, S E A. Sea Change Yoga that is um yoga for um folks who experience oppression at disparate rates. So um folks in recovery, folks in prisons, um, they work with a lot of different populations, but I dreamt that we were swimming together and I was like, our bodies were like getting tangled up in each other. And I was like, Oh, do you need space, you know, so that you can swim. And she's like, no, we're stronger if we swim together. And so there's the, there was just this like force moving behind us and we were swimming together and we ended up in this like, um, it was an island, but it was slightly under the water. So I was standing in this shallow sea, and I was I was standing in the middle of this ocean. But I was walking, and it was this feeling of like walking on water. And I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna keep going. And she was like, No, no. Like the way we leave this island is by walking back. You have to circle back around. You have to say goodbye to each person on the island and check in with them before going forward. And it's a circular motion backward before moving forward. And what you're saying, and it it had that sense of like, you need to go touch every piece. Like our healing is about going back with a new understanding and touching every piece. And like pulling it back in, integrating back in this idea that we are everything that we have ever experienced. And how do we find the wisdom and the compassion and the lesson and the teaching? How do we touch each piece of everything we've ever experienced with love? Which, as you were saying, you know, many of us have had experiences that it's very difficult to touch with with love, or that prevent us from touching anything else yes yes, yes. I heard somebody say once um, that trauma the function of trauma in our bodies is is that we are not able to be in the reality of the present moment you know if I'm if I'm dissociated from if I'm if I'm clinically dissociated from my body, which has been an experience and a coping skill that I've had since I was very young. If I'm dissociated from my body, then I'm not in touch with that like visceral guide that tells me the reality of what is safe. Um,
0: Or to be able to even explore the possibilities of what is safe, because it's like literally like walking through the world with a wall around us. Yeah. So we can actually walk up to people and hug people, but if we have a wall around us, we're just hugging through a wall. So we never get to actually directly experience the other person or Mm. the rest of the world. Mm. And Mm. and as you were, that's that's my imagery that I of what you were just saying that when there's that dissociation, it separates us. Yes. And we we do that with with our traumas, with our pain and discomforts, because I think instinctively we try to push away anything that feels bad because instinctively I think it represents a threat to our survival. Yeah. So consciously we have to be able to recognize what really is a threat to our survival and Mm. what isn't so that we're not just reacting in a knee-jerk way to everything that's uncomfortable, right? Because you were talking about doing that backward circle and touching yeah. all all everything in our lives including the traumas and and all all the experiences and essentially saying yes to them yes you are part of my family
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I accept you I yeah. embrace you yeah and and perhaps um there's there's lots of talk about letting go of things I don't think we really let go of things I think we just let go of our our dissociated relationship with them, wow. our reactive behavior towards them, that instead we 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 engage in a more integrated relationship with them mm. so that they are no longer having this
1: effect that they had previously. That's a beautiful way of thinking about that, you know. At like when we think about letting go, it's like really letting go is I don't feel pain about this anymore. You know, I am not attached. Not triggering me anymore. Yeah, I am not attached with my pain body to this experience. If I've truly let something go, you know, it's like oh, I can, I can think about that in a different way that I'm not, yeah, that I'm not attached to in a way that feels painful. But what you're saying, which I love, is that idea of really, truly to release something is to be able to hold it in my heart and say, I have nothing but, I have nothing but love and appreciation for this thing, and therefore I'm not bound to it. Um, you know i've i've let go of the the binding that holds me to this i can hold this lightly and with gratitude and look at it and say ah okay like you put me on my path thank you and i'm not attached in a pain body way but i can still actually incorporate that into part of my heart right it's it's a it's given us wisdom when we when we
0: metaphorically unlock the lock yes we receive a kind of wisdom from it. Mm. We go from being triggered and damaged and subsequently terrified by it or afraid of its effect upon us to being given the gift of of wisdom, which we can then share with the world, whether actively or just being the presence
1: of that in Mm. the world. Mm. Mm. Yeah, this idea like we were talking about about, you know, find your pain and you find your purpose. Like each thing that I've experienced gives me language or gift. Yeah. May not be your purpose, but yeah. it, it's it's definitely your a
0: gift that you have. Yes. yes, And People can get because when I think of purpose, I think of like goals and I think of like mm. mission and mm. you could like needing mm. to save the world, right, or to heal people, right, things like that, which. It strikes me as kind of egotistical. Mm, I
1: can do this. It's my job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> me. Yeah, right. I. Right. You. Oh, you're damaged. Oh, we're Let, separate from one another. Right.
0: Let me fix you. Yeah. Because I have this skill. Right. I'm wise, or I'm gifted, or right. I have a purpose.
1: Right. Right. That idea of, of I have this as uh, separating me from you as opposed to we have shared language around this pain and we can sit with that and what a gift it is for both of us to be able to recognize that in one another and to speak on on a
0: embodied level not necessarily through words probably not through words just to be able to say yes i i know that experience mm. and the because they say that at least 95% of all communication is nonverbal mm. and but in order to really fully engage in it we have to be in our bodies mm. and not guarded not dissociated mm. being conscious in our bodies as well as our minds and our hearts and and everything and 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 i'm not sure of this but my sense is that when we have that kind of full being integration, that opens up the doors of perception and
1: possibility. I certainly believe that to be true. I know that for me, coming to Vermont has been a a process of, of coming into my body and doing some serious, like integrative healing of the experiences that I've walked before coming here. Um, And that the more I am present with what I'm feeling in the moment, the more access I have to that information system. Because my body is integrated. My body as a being is always integrated into the present moment. It's whether my mind is there too that is the question. And... Or if our heart is there. Right.
0: Because... Our hearts, in our culture, is one part of us that it's, it's very susceptible to being completely locked away mm. shut down mm. and disconnected, mm. as well as our body, but even more so than our body. Because our body, we see in the mirror all the time. We, we don't get reminders of our heart hmm. that much mm. in our culture.
1: I like thinking about that. I... Um I was, I was having a lovely conversation with um, been doing this work it's called Reembodiment Work, um, which is a big part of why I came here to do this work at the Everything Space um, in Montpelier with Amanda Franz. And we were talking about the different information systems that we have, the different brains that we have. And she was talking to me about gut brain, heart brain, and head brain. Right, and how like each one of these has a language that is here to provide us information and i had this huge tiny you know that that like that tiny thing that makes a huge difference um understanding when we were talking about the gut brain and the heart brain and how the gut brain's job in the viscera is to determine our safety that's that's where that lives is a gut feeling of safety you know am i okay in this moment and so when i'm in my gut brain my gut brain is really deciding am i safe right here and the gut brain literally physically sits underneath my heart brain and so my heart brain is supported by you know like my my fascia and my diaphragm and my you know all of this connective tissue and then and then the and then the guts underneath. And so my heart brain's job isn't, it's not my heart's job to decide whether I'm safe. That was the thing that landed for me, is that my gut is the thing that tells me whether I'm safe. And then my heart fully supported by the organs underneath gets, once it gets that signal, I'm safe. My heart's job is just to be, to love. Right that's
0: it and it's also it's the body's job to protect the heart to right. shield the heart right. not for the heart the heart doesn't need to shut down and the brain certainly doesn't need to tell the heart to shut down
1: right and how when I'm in my body you know I, I dissociate as a way of keeping me safe you know is this like really old lizard brain you know like well if nothing else works this will work <laughs> You know? Right <laughs> um, <laughs> in fight or flight mode. <laughs> right, right. When it's just like fight flight or freeze, you know, Please. and it's just yeah. like yeah. I'm just gonna like I'm out. Right. Um and the irony of the fact that it is actually when I am in my body and able to hear the cues around me. Oh, I'm in a room with Tonio. Oh, you know, like my feet are on the floor. I'm sitting with somebody I totally trust who I have this like really lovely heart connection with. I'm absolutely safe, you know, and it's only in reading my ability to actu- accurately be in the room that i actually know whether i'm safe or not and if i was in my dissociative state i wouldn't actually have an accurate read as to whether or not i was safe and this the irony of irony is that it is being in my body that keeps me safe and that when i am in my body i can appropriately respond oh safe yes talk with tonio not safe use my legs walk out the door right like it's 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 my body that does that and yet, it's this um, it's this hardwired um, response in me to not be in the system that ultimately has the total power to keep me safe. And so, it's a process of coming into trust. And like we were talking about, about you know, the, the macro and the micro trust in my greater world, trust in my greater connections with other perceived other beings. You know, is the same thing as trust of being in my body and knowing that I can trust this system to give me accurate information as to whether or not I'm safe. And as I learn how to trust in the micro, I can learn how to trust in the macro. Yeah.
0: And all these different brains in our bodies communicate together. Mm-hmm. And when they're in harmony and right. they're listening to each other and they're all doing their job and open and receptive, that I think that's when everything opens up because we're present. Because before you were talking about how if like there's the difference between the anywhere but here response and the I'm totally here. This is the only place to be response. Which is which is yes, basically, right? Which is yes. Yes. Whereas the other one is
1: no. Yeah. Or maybe or I don't know. You know, right. like when I'm when I'm in dissociative state, it's like I don't know. Or right,
0: a state of confusion. Like Yeah. I can't my my three brains
1: are not giving me a clear sense of of what is. All right. I'm outside of all three of those. I'm just gonna float and hang out in this kind of suspended state. Of non-being, which I have to say served me for a very long time, you know. Um, and and when I couldn't endure being in my body, hanging out in that limbo state, um, allowed me to tolerate having a body. And so I have to thank it, you know, for for that wise response that made it possible for me to slowly come back here to a more embodied state and to say okay like that served me at the time and then to be able to make the aware choice to say and I think I'm ready to experience something different but this idea of embodiment about having all three of those systems online at the same time you know gut brain, heart brain, head brain to this idea that in truth these are not separate, you know, like my head. I love how we talk about, you know, like mind-body. And even the concept of mind-body presents us with this dichotomy of seeming separation. And how really mind-body, when we're like, oh yeah, mind-body, you know, it's all together. But I'm using two words for it, <laughs> right? And we have different conceptions about the two
0: of them. Right. One of them is very visceral, and the other one is very etheric.
1: Right, and I forget that, like, my head is physically attached to my body. There is no difference between my mind, my head, and my body. You know, it's, it's this... Um, Unless we break it down and try and define
0: them in separate terms, which is what we do in this culture. Right. And that's what our current state of science is. Mm-hmm. Tends to obsess about are all the minute details. Yes, and I liken that to the notion of you take a human body and you cut it up into pieces, and then and you study how it works, and you discover that it's just a a a machine. They're just things, because you forget that it has to be whole and together Mm -hmm. and alive. Yes. Whereas once you cut it apart, it's dead, it's lifeless, and there's a certain kind of men- dissociated mentality that can't tell the difference or doesn't, that doesn't recognize the common sense aspect of
1: that. Mm. I, I love thinking about that. I love thinking about, you know, this this desire to know, you know, this specific. And then we miss, like, the embodied whole experience. And isn't that, you know, like, I am me and you are you and we're these separate things, you know, as opposed to the understanding that can only come from a direct experience of, of oneness. And trauma has that effect on us in the exact same way, because
0: mm. we become obsessed with that trauma either by repressing it and mm-hmm. trying to prevent ourselves from experiencing it and even being aware of it, or we become aware of it, but we become so identified to it. It becomes the most important part of us so that we walk around in the world not only with armor up but, but potentially with, with offensive weapons to, to prevent potential threats. I mean, it's such a crazy way to live, and yet we live in a society that operates a lot in those two ways.
1: Mm. Mm. I'm just, yeah, as you're talking, I'm seeing like this single point, right? Like, as if I identify with a single part of my story, if I identify with a single point of pain. Walking around in the world as a single point as opposed to the vastness of the experience I could be having and the opportunity for connection that I could be having by allowing my gaze to unfix, by allowing myself to to acknowledge I see this experience and it's not all of me and what am I missing If I'm, if I'm a horse with blinders, like, what am I missing? If I can, if I can trust, if I can feel safe, which is quite a feat, you know, it, it, it really is a massive feat of mindfulness to be, because, you know, we use the, we use the mind to focus. I'm a polarity therapist as well as a Reiki practitioner and polarity therapy takes the great total, everything, Reiki, universe, spirit, uh, spirit, energy, takes that and breaks it into the five Ayurvedic elements of ether, air, fire, water, and earth. And so our fire is our, our element of discernment. It's, it's, it's anger, but it's also a channel. It's the boundary. It's my force in the world. And it has three homes. It's my thighs, my gut, and my head and i like to think about the fire response which we would call hypervigilance um as you know so so it's most balanced at the midpole when my fire is in my gut when i'm in my gut brain but think about a a candle and heat and the flame rises the the heat rises and so when my fire system is activated i come up into my head and so I need to discern this. I need to know it. I need to focus on it. Um, a fire, fire in the eyes has a very, if you've ever had anybody look at you when they're really mad and you feel that like single pointedness of their eyes, that's fire, fire in the eyes. You can feel it as a, as a one pointed focus. And, and so when I am in my fire system, which comes up to serve me, Right, Fire is my protection. Fire is my boundary. Fire is my ability to know something. Then I come into that single-pointed gaze at the thing that I am protecting myself against. I think about it like, um, like a ship with a deck, which is my gut, and a crow's nest. And I can come up, when my fire gets high, I can go up into the crow's nest and I can see for miles and miles and miles. And I can say, that might be a threat and that might be a threat and that might be a threat and that might be a threat all around me 360. But I am when I am in the crow's nest, I have absolutely no ability to respond to any of those potential threats. I can't come down the ladder, stand on the deck and just minorly adjust my sails.
0: Right. The captain is on deck and there's a watchman or watch person up in the crow's right. nest who has a very particular job. Right.
1: And so but he doesn't run the ship. Exactly. Exactly. So my job, if I am able to come into trust of my of my gut brain, is to stand confidently on the deck, knowing that I might not be able to see every imagined or potential threat, you know, 20 miles out to sea. And that's fine, because my hands are on the ropes. And if I need to adjust my sails a little bit, I'm totally okay to do that. And, and I can... we have
0: a crew, though.
1: Mm. All the different
0: aspects of our being are part of our crew if we trust them. And that's, that's, yes. what, makes, that's what makes an organization work well, when, when the captain trusts everyone. And everyone works together harmoniously, like the three brains yes. working together harmoniously. Not one assuming authority over anybody but all working in harmony no ego involved
1: none of that kind of stuff Mm, i love i love that as you're saying that i'm just like picturing like a group of people connected and able to experience the joy of being on the ocean which is the point of being in a boat being in harmony (laughs)
0: yeah with each other and which then allows you to be in in relationship in the most effective way with everything else because if you're mm. infighting, if you're struggling amongst yourselves, you can't even be aware of anything else. Which mm. reminds me of the work of Barbara Fredrickson. Which she she wrote this book called Love 2.0, which is about how we physiologically respond from states of love or from states of disconnection, that when we're in fear, our vision, our actual vision, narrows. Oh. And when we're in a state of Experiencing love, not romantic love, but it includes romantic love, but our, our perspective opens. Everything opens. Contract around fear and open around love. That's- on all levels. And it's physiological as well as embodied and emotional and psychological.
1: This is so perfect. It's so true. And it's such... A wise guide for the day I love I love how you know this is this is the conversation that is alive in the moment. Um, as I was driving here, <laughs> I've referenced driving here a few times because it was a very like thought active drive. Um, I'm experiencing a situation that puts me in in my fear place, which I've learned how to listen to and make friends with pretty well. Um, but we're talking about trauma and we're talking about triggers and, um, and there's one that's pretty significant that, um, is making itself known to me right now. And it, it's still, I'm like, wow, this still, this still pulls me and this still puts me in a place of, of dissociation and fear. And so I'm driving here today and, you know, and I'm having this this like line of thought that is very narrow my vision is very narrow what am i going to do how am i going to respond how am i going to keep myself safe This fo- fixed focus and feel free to talk about it if you want mm. if it feels safe mm. or appropriate for you i uh, i really want to be able to share this with my community in portland and and this is unfortunately um, something that i am still bound that's fine and unable to speak about um in relation with another with another person it's in in portland um but it it, ha- it it's very painful um and it's very scary and it it has many triggers for me and many traumas for me and um and so when it touches me you know, I have that response and and I have a lot more of freedom in my life right now because of meditation, because of um, my ability to witness this. And 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 when I come here, when I do this, this is an act of service for me, which means, you know, getting hollow and letting whatever needs to come through in the name of 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 healing and speaking to what's alive in the moment come through. And I can't do that when I'm in a place of trigger or trauma Mm -hmm. or my, or my vision is narrow. And so I'm driving here. And for me, you know, the way to get out of that, it has to be bigger than me, you know, because I could stay in my human suffering as long as, (laughs) you know, as long as I want to indulge in it. But when it but when I'm showing up here, it's for something bigger than me. And so I have to get outside of that. I have to say, like, please elevate my thought state to a place of expanded consciousness. And to experience what that feels like in my body, it feels like love. It feels like like moving from a line to a sphere. It feels like that that place of expanded vision that you were just talking about, about like, what does love feel like versus what does fear or contraction feel like? And they feel like totally different states. You know, fear feels like I'm bound by my relationship with this person. I'm bound to be in the same pattern. I'm bound to have a painful outcome from engaging in this line of of being as opposed to what does it feel like to be alive in the moment of active possibility trust and love and you do you feel the scope of your awareness just broaden out into this huge beautiful sphere of alive possibility that is outside of of this narrative this That point this point that is pointless <laughs> To hold on to. Well,
0: the point of it is for you is to remind you that it's an unresolved issue that you you still need yeah. to be present with, to yeah. engage with in some some way that that works. Yeah. For you.
1: Yeah. Whatever that might be. That is such an alive question. Um, you know, I've I've gotten. In any time we, re- we are in relation with another person, we get so much from that. And there are so many things that I have to be grateful for in the trajectory of, of my lessons with this being. And clearly my lessons are, you know, not finished because they're still coming up as active pain, you know. And so I can bow and say, thank you, teacher. Um- <laughs> and sometimes those lessons evolve f- for many years
0: because yeah. we don't necessarily totally resolve these issues right away. Yeah. Even though we might even think we have. Sometimes there's layers that we haven't evolved to recognize and to unlock for ourselves. You know, unlock mm-hmm. the gifts of each layer of recognition. Mm-hmm. It is in this book it begins with this beautiful metaphor, it's a really wonderful metaphor of a container of water and salt. Like imagine a cup of water with like a tablespoon of salt in it and you drink that and that's it's not something that's a pleasant experience. But then imagine a tablespoon of salt in like a 100 gallons of water or yes. a 1,000 gallons of water. You don't even notice
1: it. Yes, yes. That is the truth right there. And in, you know, in the, I'm always translating into like, what is polarity language for this? What is Reiki language for this? And both of them have that language for this. Um, in, in polarity therapy, um, there's the element of ether, which is space, it's everything that is not something. Um, it's named. And so it lives um, in the joints not in the bone, but in the hollow, that makes the potential for movement. Or it lives in the throat, not in the vocal cords, but in the hollow that makes the potential for sound. Um, ether is the element that governs our grief. And so it's the hollow. Kind of like the
0: the space in our lungs. Yeah. Like when we hold our breath or we yeah. release it.
1: Yes, yes. And so we feel our grief in our chest, but it's in that hollow of the chest and also it can be a friend to us in exactly the way that you're talking about in that if i have pain that is filling my whole body if i'm in an experience of pain that is filling my whole body the way grief does i have a couple of choices i can make the i can make the pain smaller right if i have a to, to to use exactly your example, which is often a thing that I talk about with folks in, in session. You know, if, if, I have a, if I have a cup filled to the edge with water, if I don't have the ability to dump some of the water out and release it, I can just put it in a bigger cup. And then I have more space around it. And that space is the place of my emotional freedom. You know, it's that ability to say, I... I'm much bigger than this experience when i 'm allowing myself to experience the reality of what I am, which is everything and there's so much more beyond this this one point of experience
0: or discomfort or trauma or yuckiness in this world there's so much right. more
1: right, and how do I how do I unbind my attachment and that's actually this
0: one of the them the strategies for dealing with pain is just realizing that there's so much more in this world than just my experience of this point of pain. Yeah. Even if it's our entire body, there's still a huge world around us. I mean, I'm I'm reminded of of this story of. Um, I think. Somebody, stubs their toe and it's going. Oh, oh, my toe! It hurts so much. Help me with this pain, and so the guy hits him over the head. How's your toe feel now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was a story my dad used to tell me as a child. Really?
0: Oh yeah. It's an old story. I heard this
1: yeah. Long time ago. I love it. I love it, and, and, and it's the truth. It's like there is so much more to focus on. I yeah yeah that that was a dad that was a dad story for me. Um, so what was your dad like for you? Oh my god, my dad is a lovely human being. That's great. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. He's this, um he's this soft, quiet Pisces. He's also he's a massage therapist, so body work runs in my family. Well, he was a woodworker for twenty years and then he realized that he was wrecking his body. And so he decided to, you know, to um, to move into a place of, of healing for himself and others. Um, and the transition from one job to another was actually quite funny, you know, because he was in massage school, but he was still, you know, working on construction sites. So he had to have these very soft hands, um, you know, and, you know, all the macho guys in mid-coast Maine, you know, would make fun of his soft hands, but, you know, certainly would, would secretly be wishing that he, you know, he could be giving them a shoulder massage because they were working really hard. But... Um, no, my dad um yeah, he taught me how to believe in dreams. As a as a Pisces, he always has dreams. Um, perhaps and when when you say dreams, what are you referring to? I mean, seeing the good in something and working really hard to make it happen. Um, because he's a Pisces, you know, he's got he's got this connection to the ocean. Never giving up. Never giving up. My dad is so <laughs> tenacious about things in these really kind of funny karmic patterns. You know, So for him, his karma of believing in something um, manifests in this particular way of finding old boats that people are giving away because they won't even float. And then using all of his woodworking skills to laboriously restore these boats so that he can get them in the water and be in the water and believe in this boat. But then he inevitably needs to sell it because he put all this money into restoring the boat and now he can't afford to have it. And so it's this constant dream cycle for him of seeing something, knowing it can be better than it is, helping it be its perfect self and then sending it off into the world, which is um, very much what he did for me. Nice. Hmm. That's kind of a
0: Khalil Gil- Gibranish kind of a thing. Mm. mm where you send your children off. You sort of aim them in the right direction and let them,
1: let them go. Pretty much, yeah. That's, um, that's always been his thing. Every time I've come to him and said, Dad, I think I want to do this crazy thing, he's like, great. <laughs> he's very quiet, but he's done lots of crazy things, and you never know it. And it took me the longest time as a child to realize that nothing surprised him, not because he was, you know... Um, naive about the world but because he had experienced all of it (laughs) nothing could shock him from this place of quiet Piscean huh that's interesting because I was just
0: talking to someone fairly recently about the same sort of thing that that nothing shocks me and he said really nothing and I'm like yeah I grew up in Manhattan yeah and I saw so much so nothing shocks me And I was a street kid. I was on, from a very early age, from like Mm -hmm. the age of five or six, I was on the street alone. Well, not completely alone, but I'd be on the street by myself. Wow. Because I was an only child and a latchkey kid and of a shattered family and all that. Wow. So. so. But I was living
1: in that environment. Right. Right. And using using your ability to move through the world like that to a place of I mean I look at you and you you are you're a person who seems very present, very grounded, very calm and and you never you know it took th- many years mm. and a lot of desperation early yeah. on. I mean I was
0: desperate to to free myself from the shackles of my of my traumas and Defenses and, oh. and isolation, you know, all those structures and mechanisms that keep me afraid and separate and all that. I was desperate because it was torture to live in that, to live that way.
1: I'm just like looking at you with my heart brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like appreciating the pain that... that Carries us forward in our seeking path. It guides us. Yeah. 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 In, in recovery, they say, you know, um, you know, everybody's looking for like a way that they can relate to God and, you know, and um, to wholeness. And to wholeness. Because I, that's what God is, yes. in, my, in
0: my estimation. God is, is the wholeness of, of everything and including the infinite range of
1: possibility. Exactly. And one of the ways that, the, that they guide folks there is they say, well, you've got G-O-D, the gift of desperation, <laughs> and how our gift of desperation, our G-O-D, it's can lead us motivator. to God. It's a powerful
0: motivator. It's a powerful motivator. And yeah, <laughs> often that's the only way. I agree. It's so easy to become complacent if you don't have any compelling reason to do anything or to go anywhere.
1: That's, that's a powerful thought. And what is, what is that, that thing that pulls us forward from chest center? What is that, you know, like, I, I need to find a way? <laughs> and how that has served each of us. That, that pain that breaks open your heart. So what was it, what was it about you
0: that, what, was your, what were your challenges growing mm-hmm. up? You said you were very sensitive, and you were so sensitive that you had to
1: shut it down. Yeah. Uh, when I was, I mean, coming into this world as a child was very difficult for me. Um and it was an it was an existential kind of difficult. It was um like when I was learning to talk, I was telling my mother about where I was before this. And I knew something then and I was trying to translate something then. And I remember as a child being so broken-hearted that i had a body
0: that you were in this world as opposed to what i other, knew what you knew
1: yeah really. and i didn't know what i knew because the more i was in the world the more we forget what we know the more disconnected yeah yeah, yeah. i mean this is a very convincing illusion yeah um, and it's also the truth. I was <laughs> I said that to a friend of mine in in Portland a couple of weeks ago. So this is a very convincing illusion, and she she helped me, and she said, "Yeah, it's a, you know, it's also, it's also all true," and um, and that balance of both, you know, that we're looking at, and, and I and I appreciate that. Um, that's integration. That's integration. Yeah, and I, I have a great respect for um, this person and and their ability to kind of lead me. Lead me back to balanced center. Um, but as a child, having a body didn't make sense to me. I knew that I could experience reality in a way that I was not having a body. And I would—I just have this rem- this memory of, you know, just like if I were to describe to you my childhood, it would be, you know, laying chest up to the darkness and just sobbing. About like please take me home. I just don't want to be here. And you know, by I think I shared this the first time I was on Carla's show, but I found um, I found a, a letter I'd written when I was twelve, and the top of it was dated and and aged, and it said, you know, age. Aged twelve earth years. And that was my understanding of myself at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was this it was this writing that was, you know, if I cannot find a way to get to to experience the world as I know it to be. And and it was all focused around like flying, right? Like how do I how do I come into this fully embodied sense of of moving through the world as this like lightness? Where's where's that ability?
0: that I know I have in me. Yes. Where's that experience that I know is, yes. is there? Yeah, I I I have I still have a sense of of some of that myself. Like there're things that I know that that I'm capable of and there are people in this world on this plane who who can who can actually do that, but it's very hard in this world on this plane because there's there are these very solid seeming structures that, that have been put together in such a way as to contradict that, to block that out of, out of the, the realm of possibility, that block off that, that range of infinite possibility, that structurally say, no, you only have a certain range. <laughs> and it's a very narrow range in this world, in this
1: culture that is exactly the source of my pain mm-hmm. as a child mm-hmm. was feeling the the seeming limitations of that narrow range and knowing it to be false mm-hmm. and so I, I yeah i wrote this letter being like if i can't find a way outside of this limited range i'm just i'm just going to take myself out of here cuz i can't do it 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 hurts too much and so i started like that was the beginning of me actually seeking um in ways that were interacting with with other with people who could lead me in directions in the world before that it was just this like puddle of grief mm. um that had nowhere to go yeah but at 12 I, at 12 to 15 i started That's like
0: your pivotal point.
1: Yeah. So we'll let's let's go there next
0: but first Speaking of all this stuff, you're listening to WGDR Plainfield and WGDH Hardwick, Goddard College Community Radio, The Magical Mystery Tour, and my guest is Maya Tavares. So
1: continue the Absolutely Yeah. So I I started needing I started needing to know in ways that were just the pressure. The pressure had come to a boil in my body. And I was very blessed to, um, to grow up in a community with, with some funky wise women who, you know, it was, it was the nineties. And so, you know, everybody was wearing purple and, you know, and, and, um, and just like, just the delightful kind of, uh, eccentric, witchy free, um, uh, fairy godmothers in my life. Um, where was this? In damara Maine. Okay. And so I was put in touch with, you know, the people who had become my first teachers. And they were two Barbaras, Barbara Faust and Barbara Bolkin. And together they taught me. Um, that was when I first found Reiki, was at the age of 12, um, was this need to to speak with what was true in my body um, and to have a direct conversation with with the energy systems of my body, to be able to tangibly touch that. Um, and then, and then I, le- I was also exposed to meditation and to tarot and to, you know, these tools for piercing through that hard no of the world. The many hard no's. The many hard no's of the world. And it was in those places that I was first taught how to gain access to other states of being. And had that not come into my life at that time, I... I really don't know what would have happened. Um, yeah, but I'm really grateful because it came at probably the last possible moment. It could when that like God, when that gift of desperation was just so strong in me. And you know, as a as a you know, I was going through you know having a maybe an emotionally unsafe experience at home and going through, you know, the things that we go through with, with our, with, with, with parents who are doing their best. And I believe that they did their best. They don't really have a clue. Yeah. They're, 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 they're living their work and we're going through it together. You know, my mom and I were very much children together and that's okay. You know, that's a, that's a pain point Mm. that I can totally expand my view on. And to say that that story doesn't drive me anymore. Like, I don't have to hold that pain and say, this is what this was. And I can say, like, I love you. And we were children together. And as children together, you know, there was a lot of pain. And that's okay because I love you for the child that you were. And I see you for the woman that you are. So many parallels. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and, and that's it. It's like, I don't want to carry this pain anymore. I want to come into a place where I can love you. Um, But, you know, so I had plenty of places where I was in pain and needing to get outside of that pain. And a really beautiful thing that my mom could do for me is say, like, I don't have the tool to do this, but I know who does. And to hand me off to a community of mothers, um, which thank God. Thank God for that, and so I started realizing that through meditation and mindfulness and reiki um, i could I could touch what i was what I was trying to touch, mm-hmm. and I could learn how to be in my energy body and i could i didn't have to be um at the mercy of of chemical dissociation you know um in terms of like endogenous brain chemicals that are just like getting you high from the inside because that's literally what happens. I was shocked to find out that endo- that one of the chemicals in dissociation is endogenous opioids in my brain. And so like, so to be like, whoa, like my body has been like hitting that morphine button, you know, since I was a child. Um, being like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna check out about this and to be like, no, I chose to be sober, like on every level in my body, you know, as a person who makes the choice to be sober, um, and, and does as a life and as an identity and, um, to realize that that's also an inside out job. And that also involves like working with my body systems to not dissociate, be like, wow, okay, cool. Um, but you know, to, to learn how to do that in a, in a way that spirituality and meditation and feeling my energy body is an experience of consciousness and of being present for what is. The truth of my total body, my physical body in harmony with my energy body and, and not seeing those as separate. Um, so that was... That was this that was the suffering that got me there, you know and then and then it became a friend to me those tools became a friend to me for all of the rest of the suffering you know, like being um an out queer person in rural maine um at the age of fifteen, being the only out person in my high school um and meeting a world that was in illusion, meeting a world that was in fear, meeting a world that could not see beyond their limited possibility of how people relate to one another or love one another and, um, and keeping my heart open through that process and saying like, I know the truth and the truth is that there's nothing any of us have to fear, but you're all telling me that's not true. And y'all telling me that I'm the thing you're afraid of. Um, <laughs> So how do I like... Essentially saying no to you. Oh, very much. Very much. And, um, and coming through the process recently of, of undoing the lies that God put there, you know, about being a person who is somehow bad or being a person who is um, somehow um, distorted, which was what I was told. And to say, you know, like I see that you're coming from a place that was the only place you knew. That's okay. But I don't have to take that on. And how do I how do I undo that to bring me into a place of of possibility? How do I get vulnerable enough to know that that I could experience love? Which is you know, as a as an adult working to undo all of those like st- pain stories of early queerness and looking at, you know, oh, uh, you know, you know, I grew up in the nineties, which was, you know, like you are not legally allowed to get married, which, you know, like, okay, <laughs> like that's not everything. That's not love. It's, you know, it's a, it's one way that people confirm their social contracts about love. Okay. Um, but you know, when you're when you're a kid, you think about like growing up and falling in love and getting married, um, and those things are synonymous for you because that's what our culture teaches us. And so, as a queer person, you know, I remember distinctly being like, "This is the way I love," which means I'll never be able to fall in love and get married. And there was a part of my heart that had to like protect itself around that narrative to say like. Maybe that kind of love isn't for me. Maybe that kind of like, like, I couldn't, I didn't have the critical analysis to be able to separate, you know, like you can experience beautiful, lifelong, enduring love, and it can look a lot of different ways. And this is the one way that you're being told it will look. I had to get there eventually. Um, but that vulnerable truth of being able to say, There is love for you in the world and you deserve it um, is a narrative that I'm still trying to pull apart and learn how to be in and feel t- and to land in with truth and, and trust. This is a hard world to integrate it is there's a lot of limitation, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of perceived otherness, and we find such funny things to f- to perceive otherness about or to fear mm-hmm. In subtle and
0: gross ways, mm-hmm. and everything in between yes yeah it's quite a quite a world to navigate <laughs> yeah and integrate it's so, yeah, and it's a constant thing it's like almost wherever you go, and I feel very lucky to and blessed to be living up here in Vermont, where I'm not. Dealing with the harshest realities of our society. Yeah, that's very true. That's it's very true. But I've I've lived in other parts of the country, and I have seen, and lived. I mean, growing up in Manhattan was mm. was a powerful experience, and a, not a not a pleasant one in many ways.
1: Mm. Mm. To be to to be shown so many ways that the world keeps us all in pain right and being a vulnerable
0: small being in the midst of a lot of threatening big powerful things swirling around constantly Mm. and a lot of crazy stuff as well not safe at all, yeah. and often not having any safe retreat
1: yeah. space. The only, the only solution is that inner sanctum, right? Which I was driven to early
0: in life through these. virtually unspeakable inner experiences, which I never shared with anybody because I had never heard anything about them. There was I had no reference for them. So I never told anybody about them growing up. But but I but they they helped keep me alive, I think. They helped me stay sane. In in much the same way I hear in your story, yeah.
1: yeah, these these places of pain that that put us in center as the only way, as the only way of getting through. The only way to endure is to is to come to center and find truth and a place that we can be held with love, even if that's. A tiny little glow inside the belly,
0: or if it's something very different, even something i I still can't speak definitively about what I was experiencing and what what it what it did. Mm. It was like radical unknownness. Hmm. i just had a little insight that maybe what it did was it shocked helped shock me out of the tyranny of these hard structures of no and mm. even if it was only very briefly just sort of reminding me that no it's like shattering everything and then the next day going out in the world and there they are again or experiencing myself up against them or having to cope with them and then having them shattered again and then you know, going to a strange kind of dynamic relationship with the world. Mm. But in a way, very sim- parallel to your, your sense of I know there's something much greater This awful experience I'm having here, and I don't like this. Yes, and that human capacity. Why am I stuck here? Why am I stuck here? And, And why can't I get out? This is not fair. Or
1: what's going on? I don't understand. Right. I'm like I'm struck by the power of that knowing in each of us, that in the face of unthinkable suffering, that there is in each of us, a part of us that has that desire or that knowledge that there is, there must be something outside of this suffering and the resilience that it takes to hold that knowledge in the body through all of the ways that the world tries to Meet us, or or make us forget that it's that ultimate dance of of breaking through illusion. Right, remind me again of of
0: of that the journey of the tarot again. Yes, which kind of depicts that that predicament that we're in. We have to go through. It's like that metaphorical walking the gauntlet. You have to. Do that. That's part of like the initiation through this life, on you know, in this world, in this physical world. You have to go through these experiences, right? Because it's not just physical; it's emotional and psychological. There's we have these three brains, and there's even more than that. Yes, yes. There's there's the there's the part that's that we can't see, but we can feel, we can sense in ways.
1: That we haven't been well trained in doing. Right. And where is that? Like, through all of this, that inner knowing that despite every way that illusion comes up to us and causes us seemingly very real pain, you know, emotional pain, physical pain, like that feels really real. So, how, like, but that enduring belief. And there is something more than this that exists in us through all of those experiences of of, of seeming pain, seeming separation. I'm just struck by the power of that knowledge in us, that that access to the divine and to the truth that serves us as a guide through, the, through illusion. When illusion comes up and, and often literally screams at us. Continually. Continually. With the voice of separation and yeah. the message of separation. Mm. Yeah. To say, I no, no, I know. I know the truth somewhere inside of me and it's an embodied knowing that that the tr- the truth of this is is divine love and over and over and over again I'm going to experience situations that ask me to dig deep and remember that truth
0: right
1: and that's the walk through the pain through the pain yeah. through the illusion that comes up in so many forms but is always the same illusion of separation and fear. The core trauma. Yes. Yes. How is this thing how is this theme of separation and fear showing up today? How is the illusion presenting today? And it might have a different right. form. What form might, is it? Today? Yeah, what right. form is it? Is it, you know, is Who it Who am I today? What story is it today? Right? And how it's like, no, I know that story. I know that story and I know the response. Because I know that this is asking me again to remember the truth. And that's that's the beauty of that the metaphor of the the tarot that it
0: it shows the the archetypal pattern of all those stories and traumas that we have to go through right. and of course there's a lot more as well Well <laughs> personal variations
1: oh yeah tower can take so many forms <laughs> but all all the the minor
0: cards mm. In, mm. are even more important in that those are the essential ones that we have to get through just to be, be able
1: to access the other ones right the 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 presentations of elemental life you know okay here's you know here's your earth here's you know your your money and your your job and your this and your that and here's your mind power and here's your here's your emotive power like all of the minor arcana and um and all of these serve us in in the walk of the major arcana from from this place of like raw potential infinite beginning all the way through you know um through temptation and binding of the devil card and through that, like, divine intervention of the tower that just strikes us down and puts us back in that star card, which, you know, is a little bit of a new beginning, but but still here I am, you know, in the middle of the journey and then continuing forward to the world. I hold it all. I can see the whole picture, right? I can see that, like, open, wide Circle of possibility, which leads me right back into infinite zero. Right. Once you've integrated, experienced it all,
0: recognized the journey, and gone through the fire, yeah. walked the gauntlet, yeah. and done face the separation.
1: Right.
0: Right. Then it then it just opens up.
1: Then it just opens. And that's up. just
0: the beginning. <laughs>
1: That's <laughs> so good <laughs> that's it that's the truth that's the truth and that continual beautiful process of of doing and undoing and doing and undoing until we get to that like raw theme of that you know illusion versus
0: knowing how do I stay open and connected even in the face of all these these seemingly hard things that that mm-hmm. i'm encountering yeah challenges that don't stop
1: yes how do i remember the truth in the face of illusion when illusion might be showing up as as so many kinds of suffering how do i choose
0: yes or love when there's this voice inside that's screaming no i hate I
1: don't want to do it
0: it's gonna hurt not again (laughs) where's my mommy or where's my daddy or help (laughs) get me out of here (laughs) get me again get me out of here get me out of here yeah I've I've got enough
1: yes enough already yes give me a break right and that's that choosing embodiment Right. That's that, like, I can't, it doesn't serve me to hang out in limbo outside of my body. Or to resist. Or to resist. The only way is through. To bitch and moan. Yeah, it won't, it won't serve me. It won't serve me to say, why are you shoving this lesson in my face over and over and over again? Because then I'm just resisting the lesson. I have to say, okay, thank you. How do I, how do I look straight through this to see the truth of it? And do do I, I have I to stay, do
0: that? How do I just stay present with it?
1: How do I stay present? How do I stay in my body? How do I choose to be here for the journey? And how do I keep it as simple as possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How, do I, how do I hold everything as that giant, open-hearted, expansive circle as a singular feeling? of simplicity yeah back to the wholeness mm. there's this there's this thing in this book that is like this little riddle that I just love and um, it's a book called Initiation and it's lovely um, and really it, go, it goes some places where you're like wow okay it's super fun but one of the riddles in the book is that the person um, is given a task of of writing um, the phrase I always manifest divinity in a way that it is um, in singleness, and so she, you know, she starts with the a, the sentence in a line, right? I always manifest divinity, and so she's like, well, if it's a line, then it's a beginning and an end, right? So that doesn't work, and so she starts writing it in a circle. You know, I always manifest divinity, and she's like, okay, well, now the sentence has no beginning and end, but there's still writing that is um, separate from the place where there is no writing, right? So then she takes the sentence and it's a circle and she makes it so small that it's a single point, right? And that point represents the concept, I always manifest divinity. She's like, well, there's still a point on the paper. And there's the thing that is, I always manifest divinity. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff that is not that. Well, that doesn't work either. And she realizes that the only way to hold that circle that we're talking about, I always manifest divinity, like everything is, everything is in love and everything is in truth. The only way to do that is to eliminate the focal point entirely and to come to embody the experience from a place where it permeates everything. And that's the only way to hold that. And that's, the, that's what we're talking about, is about separating our focus from the, the one point and coming into this understanding of being, of perfect being. And then, of course, you know, perfect is such a funny word, right? And then the universe comes up and screams at us again, and we go, ah, and we see the world as, as pointed, and then we, and then we come back into... Trust and into embodied presence of of truth and faith and I experience everything as one heartbeat. And then there and there and there and back again. The point and the whole. The point and the whole. They can all
0: coexist. And
1: the light and the void. The light right.
0: Well, the light emerges from the void. Exactly. Thank you so much, Maya. Thank you. Maya Tavares, this has been great once again.
1: Thank you, Tonio. Such fun.
0: It's wonderful to talk with wonderful, open, wise people.
1: Uh, The feeling is entirely shared. Thank you.